Ricky, it's always such a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for coming in. My um, pleasure. I, um, I've only had a couple of days' notice that um, that we had the opportunity to speak to you. So I've binge-watched uh, Series 3 uh, over the last day. Um, and I've been so excited but sat here over the last 24 hours thinking, this is going to be one of the hardest interviews to do because I've got to stop myself just gushing. That was what I was discussing with my wife last night about gushing with you just how much I loved it. Well, that's um, very nice. That's very nice. No, no, don't worry. But so, gush away. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. I won't be able to stop myself. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess the first thing I want to say is, is, are we always ready to laugh? The, the, the reason I ask that as the first question is, over the weekend when I was watching Afterlife 3, um, I'm going from moments where my wife's telling me to, to pause watching because I'm crying into a cushion, yet three minutes later, I'm laughing out loud. So how as a writer, when you're doing well, that, this... That, that's literally the best compliment you can give me. That's it. And, and that was my worry when I first came up with the idea, that can people go from crying about a man who's suicidal because his wife dies of cancer to laughing where he insults a little fat kid in school? <laughs> and the, the answer seemed to be yes. And that was my guess because... Um, that's what real life is like. You have a great time and you get a terrible text, you know? The best day ever and then your dog's sick and you've got to take it to the vet. You know, that's how life... It doesn't... It, it's not all spread out, you know? There's, there's no good time to have bad news. And uh, I think people um, appreciate that. I think people like seeing themselves on telly, even if it's the bad stuff or the sad stuff, because it makes them feel normal. The people that came up to me after the first series and said, oh, my God, that was me. That was me after I lost my wife or my brother or my... You know, and um, they, they said, anything, oh, I thought I was mad, but I'm not. And uh, and I, I it taught me that everyone's grieving. Everyone is going through this. And I, I think we're going to see the new pandemic is, is anxiety and people are worried... And uh, they can talk about it now, which is good. But everyone um, is going through something. And, and I think of that... I appreciate my audience more than I ever did as well as I got older because, well, first of all, I owe them everything. Everything's come from that, you know. Um, if you've got an audience, if you've got fans, if you've got people that want to watch your stuff, then all the other stuff comes, you know. You don't have to worry about what a studio thinks of you or a broadcaster. They just want something that people like and so uh, they've given me that and and doing stand-up nowadays I, I think there's 10,000 people in this audience they're going to you know a lot of them are going to be grieving they might be going through chemotherapy they've spent hard-earned cash they've had to find a, a parking space they've you know they've had to take a, a half a day off work or whatever I, I, I better have something to say and um, I think People appreciate that. I think people appreciate honesty, and I think they like seeing themselves reflected, um, particularly in taboo subjects. It's why we, you know, we we steer away from it, mm. and um, because we we second guess the audience. We think, can they take it? Of course they can. They're grown ups. Of course they can. One of the the most amazing things, though, that you just said, though, is is you said, I I, I guess that would be the, the 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 case. I hoped it would be the case, but to to nail to nail grief. And the mixture of grief and finding laughter as well, like you've done, um, particularly in the context of, of afterlife and, and, and Tony losing a partner, yeah. um, which thankfully for yourself is, is, is not something that, that has happened to you. No. Then it, I, I just find it astonishing for you to, for you to nail that as, as sort well, of like a guess. It's um, amazing. I, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, uh, there's, um, 
I don't have to, you know, think, am I right? Would it be terrible losing your, my soulmate? I know <laughs> it would. I know <laughs> it would. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And uh, we were, well, I, I, I've grieved. I've lost, uh, you know, both, uh, all my grandparents, both parents, a sibling, friends, pets. I know what, it, you know, mm. everyone knows what it's like to grieve. And the thing about worrying about whether they like it or not, whether it's too harsh is, I, I look at it like this, right? Um, if I second guess them and I, I try to imagine what it was like or I lied... Uh, and they didn't like it, that would be terrible. Whereas at least if I'd be uh, honest and they don't like it, then at least I've been honest. So I think it's a no-brainer. And what usually works is the more honest you are, the more truthful, the more you go for it, the more people like it. Mm. And um, uh, I think uh, all you can do is... is, um, is your best guess for the audience, and 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 that's what's different about uh, stand up in a way. Because when I, you know, I, I write Afterlife or a movie, or whatever you you write it, you spend a year writing it, then you you direct it and cast it, and then you uh, edit it, and you put it out there, and then there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can change. Whereas stand up, you change it every night. It's 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 like. It's not like an art form, it's like a science, because it either works or it doesn't. And after, like, 50 shows, that all those audiences have chosen your best hour. Mm. It's like evolution by natural selection. And they're both great. And so when you get it right in a narrative thing, you're so proud. Yeah. You know, because you didn't know. You couldn't... With a stand-up, you do know. By the time it's a special, 100,000 people have watched it and mm. laughed. So um, so it's, it's, always, uh, it's always a thrill... Um, uh, particularly on an emotional level, because it takes a lot of courage for someone to come up to you and say, "Oh, I like the show." Right? It takes even more courage to come up to them and say, "I, I lost my brother," or "I lost my dad," because mm-hmm. they never know what uh, what you no. know you're going to say, or you know. And I'm all, I, I always I, I always talk to them, and um, I'm so flattered. I'm so flattered that they told me mm. that. You know, the pandemic gets referred to throughout this series. Um, with 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 obviously the the level of loss that everyone has has experienced over the last two years, and obviously you must have filmed this during the pandemic. Yeah. Were you tempted in any way to to give it a bigger role, or or was that not really needed no, in Tony's story? I thought eventually it's going to be over. Eventually it's going to go back to normal, and I think people aren't going to be reminded. They don't want to be reminded of it. People want to get back to normal life, and you know I made a decision that. Um, in ten years' time, it would be odd to have all the characters in masks. Yeah, it would. They go. Well, when was that? You know, it would. It'd be odd. Mm. Um, it went on longer than we thought, but still, um, after the a lot of the war, the Second World War was actually shot in color. People didn't mm. know this, and after the war, they put it in black and white, so it looked older, so it looked like a bygone era, so people could think, distance themselves from it and I think that I think that made my decision easier that um, when people are watching this in five years time I don't want them to be reminded of the pandemic Mm. I want to be reminded of all the things that carry on because we're we're human and we haven't changed in 10,000 years so these things are a blip you know technology all those things trends but what what doesn't change is is how we feel inside our humanity um and it's all about the big issues. It's a, it's a love story. It's about life and death. It's about uh, worrying about get, getting on with people, being kind. It's all those things that are still be around in ten years, and hopefully masks won't. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, 
one thing that, that obviously won't be around now is is, is this is this is your last series of it. I, I can't imagine I can't imagine writing trying to 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 bring everything to an end and. The last uh, people are going to love this so much. The last, the last episode is just is just perfect. How how do you go about tying everything up? It, it must be such the one of the most stressful parts of writing. Yeah, well, it can go go lots of ways. You know, you, you can uh, there's an infinite uh, number of ways it can go. In fact, and you never know. Um, and it's bittersweet. It's it's sad that you know it's the end because you know I, I could carry on and it makes sense to carry on when you've got a hit show. It, it's mad to to end it, but <laughs> I think it's the best decision artistically, mm. um, and it's still there, you know. And, and I think uh, an amazing eighteen episodes is better than an amazing eighteen episodes and a dodgy six, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. or a lackluster, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, it, you know, um, and it's hard when you do it all yourself. I think if it was an American series, I'd have twenty eight writers, you know, um, but. It's good in the sense that you can burn all your bridges. You can put everything into it, knowing that... And sometimes you do do that, so you can't come back from it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, no spoilers, but I, I, I think I think this is about the best ending it could have had. Agreed. Um, uh, everyone will be the judge of that. Um, but I'll stand by it, and I'll probably have to explain it to a few people, um, and I'm happy to do that. Uh, but... It, it feels great. It feels great that I, I, I've done it. 18 episodes. I think people don't realise is it's hard to make mediocre telly. It's still hard. It still takes ages to write and direct and get it through. And, you know, um, so if people relate to it and uh, um, I, I feel the same as I did when I first did it, when I did The Office, I'd rather it was a million people's favourite show than 10 million people's tenth favourite yeah. show and uh, then Netflix comes along and goes well no we can make it a hundred million people's favourite show <laughs> I go okay let's try that then so I just think you have to go for it because I think if you water it down you'll probably get it wrong mm. Whereas if you don't water it down and you get it wrong, at least you didn't water it down. So it's a no-brainer for me. Do you have a favourite character in it when you look back? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it changes every time and it depends for what, really. I, I think, you know, I think Anne on the bench is my favourite in terms of she was there to show the, the kindness of strangers and she's important. She saves his, saves his life. Yeah. So does the dog. You know, the dog, you know, it's not a Disney film. There's not tricks. But I wanted to show that that dog saved his life, both literally and metaphorically. Um, in terms of comedy, uh, <laughs> I, I think Brian Gittins might be... I mean, he's such an oddball. Um <laughs> Uh, and he says some of the worst things ever. But, you know, there are people like that. And I, it's funny as well because some, uh, some people think that, that oh, oh, you know, they, they describe it as like uh, an ensemble cast of, of strange losers and misfits. And I think, no, that's what, that's what England's like. Because, <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they're used to watching ER when everyone looks like George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And I go, no, 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 no. Most people look like me and Brian Gittins. <laughs> we don't look like Johnny Depp. That's normal. <laughs> when you're when you're writing characters into a series like this, have you ever had uh, a situation where you've you've created a character and then it surprised you how much the audience have have really taken to a particular character? And you're like, oh, I didn't I didn't necessarily see that. There's a character in in this third series that, for me, 
I'd love to see a spin-off of. I, I absolutely adored. What, uh, which one is that, without spoilers? I will so. say the actress's name, okay. uh, and that is Kate Robbins. Oh, Howl- yeah. Howling. Yes. Howling with laughter. Yeah. Howling well, with laughter. The good thing about being around as long as I've been around is that when I come up with a character... I know the perfect person to play it. When you first start out, you write characters that might be based on your life or whatever, and then you try and find an actor that looks like them and talks like them and can do the job, and you audition and audition. And then the second series, you know who you're writing for. Whereas now, with this, I cast before I started writing it. Right. Because I knew who I wanted to play, and they all said yes. In fact, when I I called up um, Kerry Godleyman and said, oh, do you want to play my dead wife? She went, what, I'm a corpse? I went, no, 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 no. And they all say yes, then you can, you know, get to it. So I, 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 uh, I offered um, uh, her the job before I'd finished writing it because I just, I just knew she'd be perfect for it. And yes, yeah, she's one of the news, one of the little local news stories, and uh, she plays. <laughs> Um, someone in Run Review described her as the the Tambry Jackie Collins. Um, uh, so it's so much fun. It's so yeah. much fun casting because I already I already know they can do it because there's a bit of their DNA in the in the creation of yeah. it. And when you've worked with those people uh, for so long, you know they can do it. So there's no angst. There's no worry. There's no getting onto set and go. Oh my god, they were good in audition, but they're awful. They, they, I, I know them. You know. Now you talk about writing for particular people who um, who are going to play that character. Character. Uh, I, this next question could come across as rude. I really don't want it to. Um, we see a sporting Tony yeah. in this particular yeah, okay. <laughs> series. Yeah. Um, is that is that you? What do you mean? <laughs> Were you playing the Tony, yes, the squash was, player? Yeah, that was. Yeah, you're bloody yeah. good. Well, I I chose um, to for. <laughs> I chose for the <laughs> character to challenge my character to sports I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm good at racket sports. You're I a play, good tennis player, I'm, a good table tennis I'm, player and a good squash player. Yeah, I'm... Uh, really probably, good. Tennis is my game. Um, so there's a thread, no spoilers, there's a thread where my brother-in-law, uh, played by uh, Tom Basden, uh, who plays Matt in The Office, um, is tired of my anger. He's just, he said, you're going to kill yourself or someone else. You know, you used to be good at sport, you should challenge... I go, right. I said, yeah, I do, I've let myself go. I said, but I could drink half a bottle of whiskey and still beat you at any sport. He goes, no, I go, go on then, table tennis. <laughs> then I, 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 we played table tennis. And, uh, and he goes, that's not physical enough. Um, right, tennis. And I play tennis. And then he goes, squash, and something happens. Um, but, uh, yes, um, I, I did choose sports that I knew I could do. Uh, and we played them for real, which is, which is good. You could, and, uh, you could tell, that's why I was thinking, surely this is, this is a, a stunt double, because this is so realistic. It was, it was brilliant. There, no, there's, there's, no, there's no short, fat stunt double who can play tennis as well as me. Um, I played the Eric Banner. Right, at, yeah. at tennis once. And he's like, you know, six foot three. He couldn't believe I could run around the court. <laughs> he couldn't believe... He thought it was some sort of trick. <laughs> <laughs> it's the squash that blows my mind, but people are going to see this yeah, come, come squash, tomorrow. Right, to play, the first time I played squash, I'd had three pints. It's a great but sport, isn't it's it? It's unbelievable. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't I don't play it now. Um, Did you warm your balls up on the radio? <laughs> 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 right, there's the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that that could come out a different way. Um... <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Good. Um, final question: How? 
I mean, I could ask so many more, but I know you've got to go. How, how do you relax? I mean, we, we talked about... And you, Ricky Gervais. Like we, we found out that you are this amazing racket sports player, but when you look at all the stuff that you do and, and the way that you, you nail the writing of this, you, it strikes me as such a creative, busy brain. Do you ever have a day where you wake up and go, I'm going to work on my stamp collection today? I'm going to go and watch some trains or something. I, I don't know. Well, no, because I, just I, don't think, see it. I think that I've got that sort of brain, so that's why I went into this, so I'd be doing it anyway. When when I wasn't a, a famous stand-up or comedian, or I was, I was doing it anyway, I was making jokes, I was coming up with stuff. You can't help what your brain does. Hmm. You can't help it. You can't choose your thoughts. So they're there anyway. So uh, I, I didn't even think it could be a job. And um, so it's lucky that... Me sitting around thinking is my job now. I can do a podcast with Sam Harris. Mm. I can think of a joke and go and do it live. I can write it down and make it into a... So, as I say, it, it, it's a privilege, you know, but everyone's like that. I think everyone's creative. It's, it's, what, it's, it's what they do with it. And I think um, uh, being creative is one of the most important things. It doesn't have to be doing a Hollywood movie. It can be gardening or doodling or writing poems that no one reads you stick it in a drawer but I think everyone should do something and sit back and go I did that I, I think uh, you know it, it's like therapy this is not like a job this is this is like therapy for me you know um I love it I can't believe my luck every day I wake up and I go I can't believe my well I go I can't believe I didn't die in my sleep but <laughs> then I go I, I've got another day I should have a laugh <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's such a pleasure having you in and, and getting the chance to talk to you and uh, it's a privilege to have seen and binge-watched it uh, before everyone else gets to see it from, from tomorrow. Uh, it, it's almost sort of like watching watching all six episodes in one is, is like, for me, watching Afterlife Film 3. It's, it's like a, watching it as a movie. It, it, it was done sort of like, you know, like a, like a novel or a film or something, so you watch you you can watch the arc over two and a half hours, so you do get something out of watching it all in one go, mm. um, but uh, I, I hope I hope it's sitcom-y enough as well to to then watch it, you know, once a week and, and uh, many times over, um, which is, uh, uh, that's my hope, that people are still watching it in ten years. I'm sure they will be. Ricky, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure, and I do warm my balls on the radio, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get up now with my age. I could just I could just throw them over and they they, they land on the, the radiator. <laughs> oh no.